The first lesson comes from the book of Acts, beginning at the 16th chapter and the 25th verse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And, trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is the word of the Lord. As we consider what it means to follow Jesus, as we have these last five weeks in the book of Acts, looking at the early church and how God led them to be all in with him and his word and to give a reason for that hope to the folks around them and then to follow Jesus on that path with each other. And then as we hear today so clearly, for the sake of the people we encounter to believe in the good news of the gospel, to come to Jesus. And so we consider again today What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be on a path to follow Jesus? Well, let's take notice of those who stepped onto that path in this chapter in Acts today. First, we'll go back a few verses to the first two named in this chapter who had come to a faith in believing in Christ Jesus. There was Lydia at the beginning of the chapter who was a business owner and sold purple fabrics. That means she was working with uh, those with means in her society. And then there was a servant girl who had been uh, abused and used and taken advantage of. And uh, as she was demon possessed, that was taken advantage of as well for financial gain by others. And then finally, a civil servant, the jailer, who we'll spend the most time with this morning. And to understand these folk a little bit, you need to understand, uh, well, let's take it uh, as if I heard one pastor uh, interpret it in light of their own community. Let's do the same for us. Lydia would be someone who'd owned a shop in Uptown probably lived uh, near us, right? Here in the Northeast Heights. The servant girl might be someone, sadly, that we hear about in the news and that we need to be aware of and protect. 
and be protective of our children of who have been trafficked and taken advantage of. And then you have the jailer. Most jailers at this time would have been a retired soldier in the Roman uh, army. Someone too old to continue to be a soldier, but still of service. And so their retirement plan was to get a civil service job. We might have a few retired military folk around here. I don't know. You tell me, right? And so these people came from different walks of life and in different ways to a saving faith in Jesus. The the gospel is crossing all kinds of borders here. For example, they've now literally crossed the geographic barriers, what we would know today as Europe. In Macedonia, Philippi, where they are, is it now modern, part of modern day Europe. The gospel comes to Europe for the first time. But so much more is being crossed. Not only has the gospel moved from Jerusalem, and as we heard last week, to Samaria, but now to the beginning of the ends of the earth. But more than that, Take notice in this chapter some other things that are going on. Remember the Apostle Paul, once known as Saul, had been a Pharisee not too long ago. He would have prayed a prayer that many Pharisees prayed in his time. And it's not PC at all. He would pray this very uh, proud prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile like those in Samaria, I thank you that I'm not a woman. Thank you, Lord, for making me who I am. And yeah, this Pharisee who prayed prayers like that now has been called to go to the land of Gentiles. And not only that, who's the first he's called to lead to Christ? Lydia. A woman who would by her business and by her generosity would become the center of operations for the church in Philippi. God is crossing all kinds of race barriers and male and female relationship understandings. And he is crossing religious barriers to take the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles. And as we saw in that servant girl, social economic barriers as well. But interesting, as God is crossing all these boundaries to bring the good news of the gospel, a believing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, of the folk who become followers of Jesus, Lydia and her household, the slave girl, and now later the jailer and his family, They don't speak to anyone uh, except Lydia and this slave girl and the jailer. They don't go and reach out to until he comes to them after the act and work of God. Lydia comes to them by uh, means of uh, the gathering of God's people by the water in, in 
And it was in God's law that when you're in a Gentile society, when you're in a town where there's not at least 10 Jews, you can't gather in a a synagogue, so you're to gather by a body of water on the Sabbath to worship the Lord. And it was in that moment that Lydia shared her spiritual need and then the opportunity uh, for hearing the gospel and life transformation happened. It was in the counter with the demon-possessed girl that... uh, when that demon was cast out. But the jailer, who I can relate to with my uh, Norwegian kind of stoic uh, history, uh, kept to himself. He was an honorable man. He was doing what was right and doing his duty. There are a lot of fine traits that can be said of a Roman soldier, but uh, one of them wouldn't be compassion or consideration, right? While doing his duty, he didn't uh, notice the wounds or even cared about the wounds of Paul and Silas who had been beaten extensively because they'd cast out the demon of that servant girl and causing some to lose financial gain. And so they were thrown into this prison and put into stocks now, this was a, not the kind of thing you take a family picture at, at an amusement park, right? This was a device meant to torture. Now, remember, they'd been beaten. They were probably bloody and wounded. And now they were being stretched out in a torture device in this most likely infested jail cell. And so what did they do? They do what I'm sure you would do. They began singing hymns and worshiping God and thanking him for the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel and preached it to the prisoners there through their singing. And then when the Lord intervened with an earthquake in the middle of the night and loosened their bonds, they stopped the other prisoners from escaping. Out of concern and love for their enemy, the jailer, who was doing what was known as the Justinian law of the day by the rule of Caesar, that if you are uh, allowing any of your prisoners to get away, then you forfeit your own life. And so as an honorable servant, he was preparing to kill himself so as to not have to be killed. But Paul cries out, they cry out, stop, don't harm yourself. Let's step outside the story for a moment. Because this is an important historic moment for us to understand something of uh, the reason for our hope. And go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. And in chapter 27 of Matthew, we are invited to meet and hear about the Roman guard that guarded the temple and now had the assignment to guard the tomb of Jesus. And so now you understand that those Roman guards had every reason to protect that tomb, not to let anyone come in and take Jesus' body, because if they did, they would have to what? Based on this Justinian law that we see represented here in Acts 16, they would have to what? Forfeit their own lives. 
it gives us a moment of pause to see that the evidence for the resurrection is true. That there'd be no reason why these Roman soldiers would give up their lives to promote some sort of fraud among the disciples if Jesus hadn't really risen from the dead. And it also makes sense why they'd later go along with the story that the Sanhedrin wanted to tell. And they, of course, took money because it's better to take money than to be killed, right? And so we get a bit of evidence, a bit of truth about the reason for our hope of the resurrection. And it comes to us here in Acts 16. Let's go back there now. In Acts 16, the jailer, having experienced the compassion of the disciples, having experienced their compassion by keeping the other prisoners from escaping, now realizes the testimony that he heard in their hymns and seeks out now and is open having seen the movement of God in the earthquake to receive the truth of which they preached. You know, they'd been called to surrender, as we talked about this last week, Saul surrendering all that he knew to follow Jesus. And now they were all in Philippi doing just that and now Lydia had surrendered and the servant girl had surrendered and now the jailer surrenders to the truth of God's word and surrendering leads to salvation surrendering leads to belief and not only that but Lydia's household and now the jailer's household and immediately having surrendered then then they begin to care for the fellow members of the body of Christ. Lydia's home became that center of operations. The jailer now all of a sudden noticed the wounds of Paul and Silas and cleans them and cares for them. That salvation led to compassion and care. When we participate in this gift of faith by believing, the eternal gift of salvation that God gives by the moving of his Holy Spirit as it did then. God is at work and it changes us. And so these servants of the Lord surrendered. Much like, by the way, uh, one scholar pointed out, and I was Happy to see it. It was resonating with me. After all of our time in Daniel in the previous months, they noted that not unlike Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remaining faithful to the Lord in the furnace and trusting God, Paul and Silas did the same in the jail. And God was faithful to them both. And as they begin to share the good news of the gospel. They explained the word. They shared the truth, both the law and the gospel with the jailer. The Holy Spirit led them and led him to faith. And so they were rejoicing now. Rejoicing that the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word had been proclaimed. 
which led them to follow Jesus, as we have talked about these weeks, to trust Jesus, as we have talked about these weeks, to be generous with one another and to those around them for the sake of Jesus and to surrender their very lives and then in faith and belief serve the Lord. He was washed in the waters of baptism and believed and now went where Jesus would lead. And that is the call that God has for you and I. In our own community to lead the the business owners like Lydia, the, the broken and downtrodden like the servant girl, the retired soldier like the jailer, to Christ. This is our calling. God has called us now as the people of God to live and follow and trust and be generous and surrender and believe like that because the gospel is so sweet and good. What do we give God? We give him our sin and he gives us grace, forgiveness, and a beautiful calling. That's the calling that we now share. And the calling I pray together in a few moments we'll commit to as we commit to the Lord with our time and talent and yes, our treasure. We commit to the Lord in prayer. We commit to the Lord to be all in, to follow him so that as borders are crossed, others will hear the good news of the gospel and be led to Christ and believe and be transformed. May it be so in our households as we lead our households to Christ. May it be so so in our community as we lead our neighbors in Albuquerque to Christ. And may it be so to the ends of the earth where we share the good news of the gospel wherever the Lord calls us to give or to go to serve. Let us believe and follow like that. Amen. And as the Lord leads us, he leads us to walk with him, to praise his name. And so Emmaus will help us do that. Will you join them as you're able and stand and worship God together?